Hello, my name is Reverend Casey Carbone, and you're listening to a sermon provided by the First Presbyterian Church at Mayopac. We are currently worshiping on Sundays at 10 a.m., both on Facebook Live and YouTube Live. We hope that this message provides you with a source of encouragement and allows you to grow more deeply in your faith as we all continue to seek to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. Our scripture lesson this morning is a continuation of our series on the Ten Commandments. Last week we focused on the prologue and the first commandment, and this week we are focusing on the second commandment. And because the two are so closely related, our reading this Sunday will be uh, similar to what it was last week. So let us now listen to the word of God that comes from the book of Exodus, chapter 20, verses 2 to 6. Hear now the word of the Lord. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol, whether in the form of anything that is in heaven above or that is on the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing children for the iniquity of parents to the third and fourth generation of those who reject me, but showing steadfast love to the thousandth generation of those who love me and keep my commandments. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Almighty God, this morning as we gather together and worship to meditate upon the words of the second commandment, we ask that we may feel your presence with us this morning, that your spirit that is always with us illumines our hearts and our minds, that it show us the way of truth that you have laid out in front of us. This morning, as we gather and worship, then let the meditations of our hearts and our minds and our words challenge us and push us in the direction of being people who live in your kingdom with one another, who embody your hands and your feet. Amen. This morning, we hear the words of the second commandment which may be familiar sounding to you, the commandment that talks about creating images and the likeness of God. But I want us to jump back a little bit, historically speaking. It was the summer of 1566, so quite a long time ago, in the Dutch lowlands, so not even here in the US, but across the sea, it was 1566 in the Dutch lowlands when mobs of reformed Protestants took to the streets and embarked on a rampage of destruction. I know we think of ourselves as Presbyterians, but I mean, you know, this is pretty rowdy for a group of reformed Protestants. But what were they out to do? What was their purpose in destroying these various items? Well, they were on a mission to target Catholic icons, crosses, and other pieces of sacred art. In Dutch, it is called the Beetle Storm. I'm probably 
murdering that uh, pronunciation, or the great iconoclasm, which was a period of time during the Second Reformation. Reformed Protestants targeted Catholics, Lutherans, even people of the Orthodox Church over their use of religious iconography. If, you, if you're not sure what I'm talking about when I say religious iconography, I mean, you could probably go down to St. John the Evangelist, for example, or if you've been in another Catholic church where you see a cross that has a, a crucifix or different icons depicting different things. We may ask ourselves what was behind these Reformed Protestants' motivation. Well, the driving force of these riots, which actually spread to several other European countries, was spurred on by a Reformed interpretation of the Second Commandment. What belonged and didn't belong in worship, in the worship of God, was a question that these Reformed Protestants were asking in a clash with the Catholic Church and similar traditions. Images and art possess meaning, in case you didn't know that already. Though I admit, as someone who goes and enjoys going to art galleries, I do sometimes question contemporary pieces of art <laughs> that I look at. That's another story, though. Especially if these items, though, become an item of our worship. And if we aren't paying attention, then the temptations of life or other things also then may become the center of our affection. Of course, I want to be clear and put this up front that we should not go around hacking up other people's crosses or other people's <laughs> religious art out of a sense of religious fanaticism. But what we should be doing, though, is channeling that question of the Reformed Protestants who ask themselves, what is the object of our worship? And are we worshiping God or are we making something in the form of something that's a little more appealing to us? If this question sounds familiar, it should because it's closely related to the first commandment that we looked at last week. The first commandment tells us to follow God and God alone. And this week we hear the second commandment, which reminds us to avoid making an image of God, our, making an image of God whom we have chosen to follow. The tr tricky part is that the idols or other graven images that the second commandment prohibits often don't come in the blatant forms of a giant golden calf. I wish it was that easy. The danger is that the tools we use to help our worship can become the object of our worship. And when I talk about worship, I, I'm talking about it in a holistic sense. It's not just the things we do on Sunday here in church, but the other things we do in our lives as well on a daily basis, how we conduct ourselves day today. Of course, though, we can look through scripture and find examples of items of worship becoming objects of worship. For example, King Jeroboam in the book of 1 Kings constructed golden figures and placed them on pedestals to represent a God who was invisible. But because it's in our nature, they soon became 
the uh, the object of worship instead of God. The gifts we have received, gifts that are both material, like material wealth or power or privilege or influence, etc., are all things that we can use to glorify God. Yet they can quickly become things that become the center of our attention, dare I say, the center of our worship. We may think then that we are doing things in the name of God, in the name of worshiping God, but we might not actually be. We might be farther from the truth than what we thought. If we look around, could we name the idols of our culture or the idols in our hearts? Perhaps wealth has become an idol, an idol that comes at the cost of human lives and at the cost of the beauty of God's creation. Maybe it's a sense of power that has become our idol, and when others challenge that power, we feel threatened. The struggles of idolatry continue into the New Testament as well, where we hear once again that objects of worship created by our hands are not living and cannot compare to the light and the life that comes from God. The second commandment is a call to challenge what we expect from life, the norms we face on a regular basis. Material goods, power, and so on, they are not objects to be worshipped. And in the times where they do, God continues to journey with us, reminding us of the life and love that comes from God. And so it's part on us then to take up this task of doing some inward work to identify the tools that have been placed in our lives and whether they have become objects of our worship or things that help us worship God. Doing so is countercultural. It is, dare I say, revolutionary, but necessary if we are to proclaim the love, the justice, and the mercy of God. There's a trajectory to the second commandment which presents itself in almost like a Venn diagram. On the one hand, we find the political or the earthly realm, the kingdom of Caesar. And on the other hand, we find the heavenly realm of God's kingdom. And somewhere in the middle is where we find ourselves, walking on a tedious tightrope. The kingdom of God doesn't dismiss the reality of our world. That does require that we use money and power and other things to buy goods and so on and so forth. But it does ask that we stop and consider if they have become idols, have become objects of our worship. Because the realm of Caesar can all too easily turn into a god. The second commandment orders us to call out greed, call out abuses of power and corruption because it keeps us on track as living as faithful citizens in the kingdom, not the kingdom, the kingdom of God that offers life, offers salvation and freedom to all people, unlike what Caesar has to offer. History would remind us of how each and every time we created something, where we thought we could place our trust, 
our faith how things went so awry. And while we may think of idols as being in the form of some ancient statues made out of gold or silver, they are all around us today, causing vast amounts of suffering and destruction, some even doing so in the name of God. So friends, this day, may the second commandment compel us to do better, to live better in the name of God. Living out the second commandment is an ongoing task, one that requires a community of imperfect people striving to follow in the footsteps of God's will. So let us go then out into the world to unveil the places in our communities, our church, and the world where idolatry has caused harm and suffering and root out such evil so that the love of God and the love we have for one another has a place to grow. Amen. Thanks again for listening, and we will hold you in prayer as we head into a new week. If you'd like to learn more about our church and ministry, or if you'd like to learn how you can support us, you can visit our website at mayopacchurch.org. Until next week, God bless.